Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Imagine, if you will, a place where the macabre and humor flow amicably. A place where UFOs land and monsters are real. A place where you say to yourself, I want to believe. I want to believe. Should we get into the holiday spirit? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> you try it. No. Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll get some sleigh bell things jingling. <laughs> Welcome to a special holiday edition of the I Want to Believe podcast. I'm Nomar Slavik. I'm Kyle Sawyer. And today, we've got a story of a mysterious figure that made itself known around 62 years ago. And it ain't Saint Nick, yo. Got nothing for me. <laughs> but first, all of our I Want to Believe social media and email are now in the show notes. Season two is coming soon. We just recorded and edited episode 10, and we'll have about 12 to 15 new episodes launching in early 2019. Pretty cool, huh, buddy? Yeah, yeah. If you don't remember, we released all episodes at once, uh, Netflix style. That's right. That's right. Also, as of right now, you can watch me and Bill Brock's documentary, Abducted New England, on Amazon Prime. It's for free if you have the service. And my book, Otherworldly Encounters, is available wherever books are sold. Through Amazon or bullmoose.com are the cheapest ways. Or you can PayPal me directly for a signed copy. And all proceeds go directly to the author. <laughs> okay. So, let's dive into the story of the goblin in the woods. The goblin is originally a European monster. They tend to live in caves in the woods. Typically, they are viewed as small, evil little creatures looking for gold and jewelry. In some cases, they use magic to do their bidding, whether it wants to steal something or kill someone, although it won't likely come to that for most goblins. Generally, when I say goblin, I would assume you would be thinking of a small, green, ugly creature. Here is one man's story. This encounter brings us to the state of New Hampshire, the town of Derry. A little bit of research tells us that the area was first settled way back in 1719 by Scots-Irish families, but it was not incorporated until the town of Derry until 1827. The name comes from a city in Ireland also called Derry. The Irish pronunciation, Duare, means oak woods fitting for New Hampshire, I'd say. <laughs> yes, I'd say so. Also, an interesting side note, the World Wide Web tells us that, quote, the first potato planted in the United States was planted in Derry in 1719. That's pretty cool, huh, man? Yeah. <laughs> Some other highlights of Derry are, hold on, fuck. 
I hit a button. Okay. It is the location of two of America's oldest private schools, Pinkerton Academy and Adams Female Seminary, which is actually now closed. The town at one time manufactured linen and leather, and from 1900 to 1911, poet Robert Frost lived with his family on a farm in Derry, purchased for him by his grandfather. The farm is now a historic landmark and state park and is open to the public for tours, poetry readings, and other events. Now, all of that is definitely cool, but I have a bit of info that I think you'll find interesting, especially given the story that we're about to tell. Hmm. Uh, the town of Derry has a nickname. Care to take a guess? Uh, I have no idea, man. What is it? Uh, do you know who Alan Shepard is? Uh, I'm sorry to say I don't. <laughs> Shepard was an astronaut, and he was the first man from the U.S. in space, which happened in 1961. And he actually walked on the moon in 1971. Also, he was born in Derry, New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, the town has since been dubbed Space Town to honor their celestial sun. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool and very appropriate, like you said, considering the story, which happened five years before Shepard was shot into space. On December 15, 1956, Derry resident Alfred Horn was out in the forest looking for the perfect Christmas tree to bring home for the holiday. Writer Peter Muse wrote, As you all know, weird things can happen when you're out in the woods by yourself in any season, but late fall and early winter are prime times for weirdness. The days are short, the sun is low in the sky, and those entities that like the darkness are more likely to make an appearance. Horn went into the woods alone, but after a while, he felt like he was being watched. He put down his axe and looked around. The air was still. He could see his breath as he looked through the trees. He squinted his eyes at first, unsure of what he was looking at. He walked towards the trees a few feet and gasped at what he saw. Muse wrote, There was someone, or perhaps something, standing nearby, watching him as he worked. The entity was about two feet high. It had a large head with big floppy ears. In place of a nose, it just had two nostril slits, and its eyes were covered with nictating membranes, like a snake's. To make things even stranger, the entity was green, stark naked, and had stumpy arms and toeless feet. Holy shit, dude, that's scary. And it totally reminds me of the goblins of Kentucky. Weird. Well, after Horn spotted the creature, they stood there and watched each other for over 20 minutes. Horn then thought that no one would believe what he saw and actually tried to apprehend the little creature. Muse wrote, Horn decided to capture it. He realized that no one would believe him unless he had the little green humanoid as proof. But as he tried to grab the entity, it emitted loud, blood-curdling shrieks. Horn fled from the woods in panic, leaving the little green man behind. To his surprise, his family believed his story, and all went back out a couple days later to try and find it, but they were unsuccessful. So Kyle, I ask you, what do you think that little entity could have been? Like I said, it reminds me of the Kentucky Goblins. Any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm really not sure what that could have been. I mean, there's nothing really that would fit that description or anything like that yeah that I, I can think of i completely agree it uh it's also reminiscent of that other goblin story that we talked about from the 2000s that was also included in the goblins of kentucky episode but this type of description especially being two feet high it doesn't bring about a lot of uh, uh other comparisons now what's interesting is that Maybe dairy could be considered Irish land. And what is something that's short and green that's maybe mythical and well-known in Ireland? 
That could be a leprechaun. They don't usually walk around naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or have like reptilian features. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that, I mean, even that's a stretch, right? So... This seems pretty silly, but Muse had a theory of his own, and since it's the holiday season, perhaps it's appropriate. He wrote, Because it was seen ten days before Christmas, and Horn was out chopping down Christmas trees, I like to think it was a renegade Christmas elf. Perhaps it had wandered down from the North Pole and got lost in the New Hampshire woods. Uh, I don't know, man. An elf, really? Well, I think maybe he was kidding, but I mean, there's, there are actually stories of elves all throughout the world. That is true, fair enough. Now, Muse did provide some actual insight, though. He wrote that Horn seemed to think that the creature was an extraterrestrial of some kind. Mm, now we're getting somewhere, buddy. After fleeing the woods that December day, besides his family, Horn didn't tell anyone about the creature until six years later, when he wrote several letters to the astronomer and UFO investigator Walter Webb. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Walter Webb? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, that's awesome. He's the same guy, if you remember, that helped investigate the Dover Demon case with Lauren Coleman. Yeah, well... Walter Webb has investigated a bunch of encounters, including Betty and Barney Hill, also from New Hampshire. Cool. Uh, Webb's investigation, much like the Dover Demon, has ultimately been classified as unknown, but Muse wasn't so quick to give up on his elf theory. He wrote, For one thing, the line between extraterrestrials and fairy folk is blurry, at least in my opinion. They both tend to be small, they both often have disproportionately large heads, and they both like to abduct people. But more importantly, Derry, New Hampshire has a tradition of fairy folklore. The town was settled by Scotch-Irish immigrants and they seem to have brought their fairy lore to America with them. Written legends about a Derry fairy date back to the early 20th century. Descriptions of the fairy are vague. In some stories, she is a beautiful lake-dwelling fairy queen named Cianetto. But in other stories, a wizened, wrinkled wood nymph appears. So perhaps Horn's little green man was actually a little green woman. I don't think the strange little entity has been seen again since that day in 1956, but maybe if you stay awake on Christmas Eve this year, you might find out Santa's little helpers have eyes like snakes and green skin. <laughs> I don't know, man. The, the thing Horn describes sounds more like the Kentucky Goblins, not to mention that those encounters happened in 1955, which is just one year before this encounter. What do you think about that? Oh, you never know. Elf? Goblin? Who knows? It's the season of magic. <laughs> It is the season of magic and, and for dreams and wishes to come true. I, or maybe we don't know what Christmas and the holidays mean. Maybe we don't. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I just want to be happy. <laughs> That's really all we got on the, uh, the goblin in the woods. Is it an elf? What did Alfred Horn see that day? I don't know, but to each their own and, and just have a great holiday season. Yeah. And we'll be back in 2019 with a slew of new episodes for you. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Till next time. Till next time. Jingle bells, Mothman smells, Bigfoot laid an egg. That's not. I don't think there's any reports of that. It's interesting. I've heard of Bigfoot smelling, but not Mothman. So I suppose I could. It would make more sense for Mothman to lay an egg. Yeah, it would. Oopsie daisies. Don't die on me. Don't you die on me. What are we in with again?
I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 